Good morning, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to an all-new, brand-new episode of the Full Court Press Podcast. You already know who it is. It's your boy, Abe, Boston Abe, uh, as penned by my co-host here, but also the Mad Prince. I'm joined by my wonderful brothers, Sean Lowry, Jabari. How are you gentlemen doing today? Doing great. Great, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, w. So... You know, let's just let's let's really get into it. This week we had a lot, a lot of fun games to talk about, and we're gonna start off with our games of the week that we picked in episode three last week. For those who are listening, if you don't know, check out our previous episode. You can hear what we thought you should keep an eye on, what we decided to keep an eye on, and we're gonna dive right into it. So, my game of the week from last week was the. Hawks versus the Jazz. In that episode, I told the listeners how the Utah Jazz are basically 5-0 and versus the Atlanta Hawks dating back to 2019. We were wondering whether history would repeat itself. And lo and behold, it absolutely did. Now, mind you, it was a fun, fun game. That, you know, typical basketball is a game of runs. Where for the most part, I can't say that Utah controlled the whole game because there was a stretch in the third quarter, especially when the Hawks came out swinging out of halftime and managed to uh, put up a double-digit lead. But ultimately, 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 the Utah Jazz continued to get it done. Um, Really, both teams shot 48%, to be honest, with the Hawks attempting 101 shots. (laughs) <laughs> they attempted 101 shots. And what it really came down to, gentlemen, what it really came down to was three point, three point, the three-point ball and the free throws. The Hawks went through, uh, the Jazz went through free throw lines 24 times, going 20 for 24, as well as hitting 17 threes. In a game where, you know, you have Trey Young, you have Duante Murray, the Hawks have shooters. They only made eight threes and shot 28% from the three-point line. Uh, They ended up, the final score, if I remember correctly, was like 132 to 119, I believe. 132 to 119. I, you know, it did not disappoint. Um, And I don't want to get too deep into this games, particularly because we are going to have our opportunity to talk about one of the teams further in depth. But from the Atlanta perspective, it was just an off night, just an off night where the three ball wasn't working. They were dominating in the paint. They scored 60 points in the paint to uh, the Jazz 50. They were out-rebounding the, uh, the Hawks. So, honestly, just a matter of fouls and a matter of just not hitting a three-point ball. That being said, the Hawks are still, still, still a good team. And, you know, we, we not we. <laughs> They will take some L's, that's expected, but I do want to say this further separates them from a certain other team, which I won't get into out of out of the accusations of bias, but um, the seeding, the seeding of a certain teams is uh, improving day by day. Bari, Bari, what was your game of the week? So my game of the week was the Knicks versus the Nets, the crosstown rivalry. Um, it was played at the Barclays Center. And it was, you know, it's interesting because the Knicks are, they're not doing too hot this year. And obviously we've spoken a lot 
in depth about the the disarray that the Nets are in. So it was definitely a, a time for, in my opinion, a time for the Knicks to capitalize, and they definitely did not do that. From beginning to end, it was not it was not a competitive game. It was not I mean it was competitive in, in a sense, but it wasn't a close game as far as the score is considered. Um some stats, because you had some stats for your game of the week. So some stats on my end. Brooklyn's won eight meetings straight against Knicks, against the Knicks. KD's won 13 straight. So that's leading back to before he he was even a net. And I mean, Ben Simmons wasn't really much of a contributor, but he's undefeated in his career against the Knicks. So we have some dominant players against them. It's not much of a rivalry, like I said before. And at some point, we're going to have a friend of a podcast, Rob, to get on and explain what's going on in Knicks land. But as far as the atmosphere, just 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 how it is in New York when when these games occur, it was it was great. Um, Before the game started, you had KD giving a little uh, a young Knicks fan the thumbs down. I found that hilarious. Just defensively, the Nets shut down the Knicks, so it wasn't really much to talk about. Like the Nets defense since Jack Vaughn has taken over. Well, since he's he since he was announced as interim to now, they've been pretty much the top three defensive team in the league. And and at times they've been the number one defensive team in the league. So it's just interesting to see if this continues. My game of the week. Um honestly I hope I hope you guys is able to check it out. Honestly, it felt like a, a playoff atmosphere, man. It was such a great game. My game was uh, the Warriors versus uh, the Cavaliers. And if you haven't been paying attention, the Cavaliers have been paying, playing some really good ball, man. Like it, it really felt like a playoff atmosphere, honestly. Even though it's so early, it felt like that because of the fact that I noticed the coaches was actually, especially in the playoffs, right, it's all about matchups. And both coaches um, were really trying to take advantage of, of matchups. Like, you know, Steph Curry was attacking the bigs. Um, every time they switched or if they ended up dropping too low, he was shooting over the top of them. Uh, Wiggins was actually, he was actually posting up uh, Garland a lot of times in the post. You know, um, was it Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell, Lavert? they was attacking Poole because as we know, Poole is a bucket, but defensively, he's probably one of the weakest on the team. Um, it was it was just a really great game, man. Like, it kind of sucked for Cavalier fans. Um, I know they were kind of upset because, um, not like it's very shocking, but Clay did a legal screen to uh, free up Steph Curry that pretty much sealed the game when he made his three. Um, but we all know, man, they never call for I don't know how many years now. The Warriors are very known for giving illegal screens. That's just what they do. Um, for whatever reason, they just are able to get away with it. But um, what I took from it, too, because there was like a couple things I just noticed um, with that was, you know, with I, I feel like the Cavaliers might, not saying they have to, but they're going to have to figure out something with the guard position just because the the team is great. Mitchell's been amazing. If you haven't been paying attention, he's been, man, he's been playing like a top five player right now, honestly. Um, but the problem is defensively, that's their weak point is the backcourt. And so part of me just wonders, because Garland is a playmaker, um, you know, he, he's, and he's, he's a bucket as well, but Mitchell right now is doing that at a higher clip. He's actually been an amazing playmaker um, for this team um, to a high degree, honestly. So part of me wonders, not saying they should, but would they entertain maybe 
maybe uh, trading Garland to just get a little bit better on different pieces. I know that sounds a little crazy. I'm not saying they should, but just something I was thinking about just because they kept attacking they kept attacking uh, Garland like crazy. And Mitchell, he's not a great defender either, but his athleticism helps him be able to get away with a little bit more. Um, right. So that's what I'm kind of curious about. Um, but even look at the numbers, Mitchell had 29 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. You know, so, and he, now, don't get me wrong, the last, I think, two, three minutes of the fourth, he wasn't, he he did do some silly things defensively. He did take some shots that he shouldn't have. But I just wonder about that with the size. And then, obviously, on, on Golden State, they're still the champions. Like I said, I'm not going to be too worried, but just something to pay attention to. Clay doesn't look good at all to me. Um, Draymond Green, a lot of antics he does. He's not able to get away with it. You know, people um, are starting, or I should say the referees are catching on to a lot of times what he would do. If you pay attention, when he gets a screen or when he takes a charge, he'll kind of pull on the player's jersey, right, to make them fall as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so referees are paying attention to those different things. So I'm just curious about that. Also, obviously, the development with their young with their with their young players. I don't think Wiseman played at all. Which is, uh, I was actually surprised by that because I figured they would need a size. Um, Poole's been doing his thing. Um, Kamunga, I'm, I'm still curious about. I think Moody is definitely going to be a solid player, but it's just that fine line where, since their bench is somewhat young with those players, is that going to be a concern um, for them down the line? Um, and then my last concern for them is uh, with Jordan Poole. His three point shot hasn't been. Hasn't been great, especially mostly from the from the corner threes. Corner threes, if you pay attention, he's actually terrible right now from there. Um, everywhere else, I think he's shooting about thirty five percent. Um, so those are the things that I was just paying attention to. But overall, it was such a great game, man. Um, and it's just something that you know I I feel like teams should definitely take note notes on it. Um, when it comes to defending, um, the the Golden State, obviously Curry had to do hero ball in a way. You know, I had to save them. Um, and it's so tough because, like I said, they do that legal screen or, or as they call it, the ghost screen, uh, where Clay basically act, acting like he's doing the screen just to free himself up. Um, so it does get difficult at times. But, yeah, that, that was my game of the week, man. It, it, I said I hope you guys did get to check it out because it was a very fun, intense game. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, that was our games of the week from the last episode, ones that we thought uh, you guys should keep an eye on that we kept an eye on, and by all means, they did not disappoint. All three games offered a lot of fun for any basketball fans. Um, if you are a fan of the losing team, we feel bad for you, son. Um, you got 99 problems, but uh, it's definitely not one of ours. That being said, we do have to get into a little bit of a uh, little bit of some trash talk, maybe some little smack talk. Between two of our co-hosts, because their teams played each other this past week, and that is the Brooklyn Nets without Kyrie Irving playing the Los Angeles Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. So, gentlemen, which one do you want to start it off? Which one do you want to get into it? What was your opinion of your team uh, when they played each other? I'll let Sean take over first. I mean, it was frustration. <laughs> It was frustration. I can't even talk mess, man. It was just frustration because I don't know what the hell Ty Lue be doing right now. 
Um, I guess that's the problem at times when you have so many talented players. But I guess it doesn't make sense for him to give as many minutes as he's been giving for Reggie and John Wall. Like, it, it makes absolutely no sense to me. They should never, ever play together. Um, and the Nets was taking advantage of that. So, you know, it's, it's not much I can really say on that just as far as it's just confusing. Because um, Reggie Jackson, obviously, you know, he, he can shoot. But he's actually shooting terrible right now. He's shooting, like, under 30% from the three-point line. Um, to freaking, I think, uh, John Wall, oh, my gosh, he's shooting, like, in the 20s. Like, 20, I think it's... it's is 43% from the field or something like that, 24% from three, and 50% or 57% um, from, like, the, the free throw line. Something disgusting like that. Um, basically, if he's not attacking the paint, he's not giving us anything else. Um, and this small ball is not necessarily working. And if we don't have Zubak, who, in my opinion, should be, if, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he absolutely should be... Um, uh, what's it called it? All defensive players, um, or all defensive. I'm sorry, all defensive uh, uh team. He should make the all defensive team this year for sure because literally our team is night and day when Zubak is on the is on the bench. Like it's ridiculous how much he just covers up for us. Um, which is why I don't understand why Brown, um, uh, was it Moses Brown isn't playing more. Like he played in he put was it against the uh, Rockets. I think he only played like 12 minutes and had a huge impact. He's just big. So he was able to, you know, actually make a huge impact for us and get rebounds and, and be a defensive presence. So that hurt us. And then, obviously, Paul George, right? Paul George has been amazing these last, I think, five, six games. So I'm not trying to get on him too much, but it just drives me crazy because with Paul George, there is no, like, he, he doesn't just have an okay game. He has either an amazing game or he just plays terrible on offense. He always brings it on defense because defensively, he still is very good. But on offense, like, he's just, it's just one minute. Like, you can kind of know early on, like, okay, yeah, Paul George has it. Or no, he doesn't. And so that's where we really miss Kawhi because Kawhi does have a really good game or he'll just have, like, a oh, okay, he had an okay game. And Paul George a lot of times doesn't have that, and that drives me crazy. But that has been him basically his whole career. Um, and again, he's a really great player, obviously. Um, but that just drives me crazy that KD, you know, KD was special. Um, what's his name? Uh, Clark, Clarkson? Claxton. Oh, my God. Oh, my. We made this dude look like he was an all-star. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, <laughs> this man was just dominant. And then every time Zoo was, because Zoo was in foul trouble, this man was just eating on us. Like. It, between him and KD, like, and then Curry, damn Curry, just can't get away from y'all. Um, but Curry, then all of a sudden he wants to start just hitting everything in the fourth quarter. So you know, it was just one of those things, man. I, I'm I'm annoyed by it, and it's just more so annoyed just because of the fact that we had like Robert Covington on the bench. Like I get it, Terrence Mann has been playing well, but KD. <laughs> KD, put Covington in the game to guard KD. Somebody, put different bodies on him. Nothing's working. Um, so it just drives me crazy with that. I do believe in Lou. I still do think he's one of the top three coaches in the game, so I do believe he will get it together. Um, and I know sometimes politics plays a part in it, so maybe he don't, he's not sure how to go about with certain people's egos, but they got to get it together because there's no reason for us 
to play like you did. But shout out to the Nets. You know, Jabari has some bragging rights. I had a few observations during the game. You can't take away too much from it just because of how incomplete both lineups are um, and how young it is into Vaughn's coaching tenure. But it was a back-and-forth game through pretty much three-and-a-half quarters, pretty much all game. KD and Claxton kept us in this one. It was a uh, everyone else was having pretty bad shooting performances until later on, and on the Clippers end, luckily our defense made it tough on on a few of their key guys like Paul George. He didn't have the greatest shooting night. He was good defensively though. Um, Terrence Mann was like one for five, I believe. Batum was like zero for five or something along the lines of that. So we had a slight advantage, you know, in field goal percentage because KD had a a pretty decent game. We shot 45 from three, Clippers shot 35, and they out-rebounded us and outshot us from the free throw line. So all things considered, it was an even game. I, I was proud of how we managed to uh, limit the turnovers and take care of the ball. We had 12 in comparison to the Clippers 16. And like I said, it was a pretty evenly matched game. So we both had 34 points in the paint for both teams. So it was a it was a fun game to watch. All things considered, you know, given the circumstances with with um, all the guys out, we mentioned Kyrie and and Kawhi, but I'm sure there's a few more guys missing from that lineup. We we are definitely missing Yuta Wananambe, who was a key contributor for us this year. And um, yeah, it was just a it was just a fun game to watch, and it's it's good seeing the Nets, you know, play defense and get back to you know winning ways and and just overall trying to assert themselves on both sides of the of the ball. KD, 27, three assists, six rebounds. And uh, Sean mentioned, Clax has been big lately, 13 points, 14 rebounds, two assists. I think he had like two blocks and a steal to go along with that. So he had a full stat line. He was all over the place. And besides KD and Clax, Curry stepped up in the fourth quarter to just like again, like Sean mentioned, to just seal the deal. He had twenty two points to end the game, but I wanna say like over half of that came in the fourth quarter alone. So that was the quarter we outscored the Clippers by eleven points. Every other quarter was pretty much five or less. So it was a definitely a competitive game and I, I liked I liked what I seen from both clubs pretty much. I say I say they need to bring Nash back so Katie <laughs> play. Forty, you know, forty-two minutes or whatever, whole game. You know, what I mean, like that's that's what I like to see. Um, no, but but in all seriousness, though, no, I definitely love. No, not even though, even though, even though you're you're being funny right now, that's a great observation. Like, and it's something that I forgot to mention. Like, Vaughn's timeouts. You know, even something as small as the the timing of when you use a timeout or rallying the team together has just been night and day from from uh from what Nash was doing and you can see these Nets players are rallying around uh, around Vaughn so and he's also like you said limiting KD's minutes giving these other guys more more breathing room Cam Thomas didn't have the greatest game but he definitely had room to make mistakes and just play and be himself and that's all these guys can ask for so I'm grateful for Jack Vaughn right now yeah yeah that's that's something that you know like you said I, I've been saying that um Nash should have been gone, and this is something that I envisioned, you know, obviously with Kyrie, and even when you had Harden and stuff, I envisioned y'all being able to, to play some type of style like this, so 
you know, the good part is it is still early in the season. So the good part is, you know, he can, and he's already been there, so he can implement his system. And so if they're really being well coached and, and buy in, which it looks like so far they are, um, they could do something. I still have concern about Ben Simmons, who that's another dude I forgot to mention. I wish he played more because he didn't fear me at all. He just was another guy that was there. Like, I, nothing defensively and for sure nothing offensively. So. His 14 minutes is perfectly uh, coached by Jack Vaughn. I'd like to. I think I think he needs to play <laughs> like to say. minutes a game. I think so. I think you're not using him as a third star like he needs to be. And matter of he'll, fact, I think he'll work his I way think there. He needs to shoot some threes as well. Like jack it up, Ben. At least, at least when you play the Clippers, like just don't be afraid. Only we're up, only when we're up forty. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it. Uh, uh, not too much smack talking. I'm kind of disappointed, but but no. but I mean, f Brooklyn, f everything else. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah, no, talk I'm that not, talk. But no, I mean, not much to say. We lost. But still, F. All right. Well, F. I, I told you, Barry, this already. Like, he knows how I feel. Quick update Kyrie has met with Adam Silver. Kyrie has met with Joe Sy. Everything is looking good in terms Shit, of. Shit, Kyrie's met with me. I don't know who else you got to meet with. <laughs> We've already. What, has, what we already felt in our hearts as, as members of this podcast was apparently confirmed by Adam Silver and Joe Sy being that Kyrie Irving is not anti-Semitic. Woohoo. We're, we're glad that's the case. We kind of already knew that, but no problem. So now we are still waiting to find out what the steps towards him being reinstated and playing again is. We're not sure. Uh, there has not been any more further updates on that. But the Clippers were without Kawhi Leonard, and we're about 15 games into the season. By the time you listen to this, maybe 16, 17 on Tuesday morning, and Kawhi's only played two games. Now, he there is news. It's funny enough, if you decide to Google Kawhi Leonard, the first thing that comes up is, when is Kawhi coming back? <laughs> so, it's not that funny, bro. <laughs> it's funny to me because it's like, damn, okay, everybody, everybody wants to know, when is Kawhi coming back? Kawhi's injury history has been unfortunate. You know, he he was he missed all of last season due to a torn ACL. We also know that he has knee issues dating back to his Spurs days. And we you know people like to joke about load management and whatnot, even though he's not the only player to have to go through load management. But he is the biggest name who's had to deal with it so consistently, so frequently. So when we look at Kawhi Leonard, and I'll start with you, Sean. What what steps do you believe need to need to occur to to get Kawhi back? And do you think that Kawhi can ever get back to form, or is it just a time where we have to settle whatever we get? And maybe maybe this is the portion where Kawhi is no longer that number one option that we that we know he he can be, and that maybe. Paul George, Paul George, this is your team now. You gotta, you gotta take control of it because Kawhi can't be there consistently. Yeah, I mean, what what we need is to replace Kawhi's knees because he has the same knees as my grandfather's. Compared, apparently, because I I don't know what the hell's going on. But no, in all seriousness, he he I guess did some five on five, so they are encouraged. 
But honestly, yeah, it is one of those things where this is just Kawhi. I actually said, I, I think, um, was it the first episode we did? I think I actually said, like, I'm fine if him and Paul George, I think I said, like, 60 or 50 games, something like that. I was like, I don't care as long as y'all healthy. But, and I was joking when I said it, but in all seriousness, that might be the case, at least for Kawhi, you know, because how his health is. Because I'm like, even if you was able to only play 40 games in the season, would you be able to do consecutive playoff games? Like, how would that work? So I am concerned about that. Um, and it's unfortunate because, obviously, when he's on the court, he is a beast. Um, and I do think he will be back. But it might be one of those things where, hey, he can only do two games a week or something like that. And Paul George has to embrace, which Ty Lue has talked about too, he has to embrace being that guy. He doesn't want to step on Kawhi's toes and stuff like that. That's perfectly fine. But at the same time, Paul George, the last few years, well, last year he got hurt some. But still, even then, he played more than Kawhi, obviously. So um, it's a point where Paul George, and he has grown as a leader, to, to be fair to Paul George. But um, he has to really embrace that role as, hey, I'm 1A, and guess what? Kawhi's 1A too. You know what I mean? Like, it could be both. Um, because at times, too, when Kawhi is there, Paul George starts to defer. Like, he starts like, oh, I'm fine just kind of being in the shadows. Finding him to still be aggressive. Because um, at one point, honestly, that was the crazy part. This is the first game with the Nets that that wasn't the case. But before that, every win, we was on, what, like a five-game winning streak or something like that. Um, Paul, Paul George shot more than 12 shots. Because all the games he lost, he shot 12 shots or less. He just wasn't being aggressive for whatever weird reason. And so, you know, unfortunately, I think that's just going to be Kawhi, man. I think he's he, he's just going to have to – like, people joke about it, right, with load management and stuff like that. But for him, he really needs it. Um, that's just how his body is because I'm like, man, if the Clippers are able to win a championship, is it to the point where, you know, will he consider retiring? Like, I really think about that. Um because, I mean, obviously he wants to get paid, of course, but just because he's not able to play. And you could tell he's frustrated. Like the game, um, was it the Nets? It might have been the Nets. It was another game, too, that we just recently won. I cannot think of the top of my head right now. But he was he was very, like, he was happy that we won. Um, and was that? I cannot think right now. But he was happy that, that the Clippers won, but he was just frustrated that he wasn't able to play. Oh, it was the Rockets. He was just frustrated that um, that he couldn't play. You know, so you could tell he wants to be out there. And Ty Lue has talked about that. Like, he, he really wants to get back. And I believe he's trying to get back. But, you know, it's unfortunate, man. I just think it's he's – he's. <laughs> I think I saw a meme about, it, like, a part-time player. Like, he might really just be that, unfortunately. And it sucks because it's not by his doing. It's just you can't control injuries, just like with Anthony Davis. I know the joke. I know they call him street clothes and stuff like that. But Laker fans forget, like, they get on him and all that stuff. Y'all won that championship because of Anthony Davis. I don't care what no one said. Like, Anthony Davis was the best Laker. Like, yes, I know they gave it to LeBron, MVP. We forget politics plays a part of that, whatever. But to me, Anthony Davis was the best Laker for them, and he was healthy. I disagree, but we'll talk about that another time. Oh, 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 yeah, we can definitely – yeah, we yeah yeah yeah. That that playoff run, I think Anthony Davis was the best Laker. The final series, I I definitely disagree. But so you we, think we, we, so you think wait, wait so you think real quick. Mm-hmm. So, so 
Because defensively, see, I'm not just focused on the offense. Defensively, you're telling me Anthony Davis wasn't a monster in the finals for them? No, he wasn't a monster. He got injured in the finals, and his help defense is on players like Bam Adebayo and Tyler Harrow that I mean, that's not his that, fault. That, it's not his fault, but it's not impressive. <laughs> it's whoa, not impressive. Well, so it's the final. So regardless, it has to be impressive. So now, mind saying, you, the Heat were on fire though. And that's what I'm saying. So they, they went on fire against the Lakers at any point of the finals. Do, do you remember saying. at any point where you felt like the Heat had a chance to win that that that, that series? That's a whole. No, different I thought the Lakers had that's it. In the whole, the that's a whole different conversation, though. Mm-hmm. The bubble itself, you already know. I don't. I'm not even messing with that, but. I'm just saying, I'm gonna give Anthony Davis his due. Like I feel no, I like, think I think I think he deserves um like a majority of the credit for them being in position to win the bubble. Like you don't go if you don't go out and get Anthony Davis for the players that they sent out for him, um, whether people respect the bubble or not. If they don't go and make that trade a year before that, they don't win the bubble. Um. Yeah, I, I definitely I, I think like he. I'll mm-hmm. put like this because you said you said Bam and, and Hero and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. if, do they win if Anthony Davis doesn't play at all in the finals? Do they win? Like the same team, but he's just not playing at all. Yeah, yeah he's just not playing at all. I don't think I don't think they win. Um, well, all right, put it this way: if we're just looking at the Miami Heat, how they were leading into the finals, mm-hmm. and and the Lakers don't have AD. They don't win that series. If you if you look at what happened during the finals and and what was happening with Jimmy being exhausted and stuff like that, I still think the Lakers win the series. They just had a little bit more shooting, um, just during that final run. And also, that big lineup, in my opinion, um, also helped carry the Lakers to to that to to them being in that position. The the eighty Dwight Howard Javale McGee lineup that yeah, gave absolutely. Joker fits and. Bam, at the end of the day, Bam's the same height as, as LeBron. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. So it's like, it's hard to deal with. It's a lot of um, veteran, besides like LeBron, you're looking at McGee, who was already a champion at the time. Um, Dwight, who was just a, a, as veteran as you can get and who already had been to the finals, like, and who was back in Orlando, w- whether it was a bubble or not, back in Orlando playing another final series. A lot of guys stepped up. In my opinion, it just definitely Dwight definitely did step up. Dwight it just good moments. No, no, absolutely. I, you I, had Alex Caruso dunking on guys, and and <laughs> like, you no, know no, what I mean, uh, like, look, like I but, but but AD definitely. I'm not trying to say AD like got outshined by anyone on that team. Um, most of the playoff run was AD. Um, he even had a game winner against Denver. It's just that 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 final series, if I remember correctly. I just felt like LeBron just stepped up. It's like he just knew, okay, AD got us to this point, or AD and myself and us, we got we got to this point. Like I can't lose now. Look at my damn finals record. Like I just felt like he was playing for something, and that's like the last time I actually saw him play for something. You know, so well, well no, no, to to Bron's credit, and and not taking that away from Bron. Bron was absolutely great as well in the finals. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, and I get what you're saying, right? And I should have probably even phrased it a little bit better on my part. I'm saying they don't win a championship at all with AD, and maybe maybe we could debate that if he was the best player in the finals or not. But mm-hmm. like you said, he for sure was the best player leading up to that. We can agree on that, correct? Yeah, yeah, he for sure was the best player leading up to that point. I okay, agree. okay. Mm-hmm. So that so that's what I mean by that. Then that that we'll we'll agree like on he, that. They wouldn't be they wouldn't even be there without AD playing. 
Okay, know? okay. Yeah. So for so basically for the Laker fans out there that get on AD, you know, get and again, I don't really clown on him. Uh, actually, I don't even think I clown on injuries just because injuries suck. I, I try not to clown on nobody on, on that because that's a serious thing. I ain't going to lie. I count, I count 80. That motherfucker just be falling and getting injured. Like, it's, <laughs> it's hard. Make fun of it. Like, like, all right, we was just talking about AD and Kawhi. I've never seen Kawhi just, like, trip over his teammate and get injured. But but it's not – even though it's funny, it's not his fault. <laughs> yeah, but no, that that's fair, and that's fair. He do He do be doing some clumsy stuff. But I'm just saying as far as the Lakers wouldn't be able to have a banner without him being there. Right? No, that's, they that's wouldn't. So, yeah. so, so, and, and so if you, I mean, the team's not going to do it, but if you had a low-managed AD, you would do it if it means you guys would have a chance to win. And so that's how I feel with Kawhi. If you have to low-manage to give you a chance to win when it comes to June, May, you know, all that, like, that's what you're going to do. Um, I mean, it worked in Toronto. It did. It did work in Toronto. So. Um, but again, I don't know what his knee, I don't know the flare up. I, I have no clue. Um, but yeah, I just hope he, I hope he can get healthy. Um, because like KD, as you said, it was shout out to KD as well, where he said like the game's better when Kawhi's playing, you know what I mean? So that's high praise right there. And I think he actually put him in his top five, uh, uh, Mount Rushmore for small forwards, which also shows respect right there too. So, which yeah. also leads me to ask you this, Sean, before uh, Jabari has the floor to talk about Kawhi, his injuries, and his legacy, is for you, given the injury history, you personally, does that affect where you have Kawhi legacy-wise? Like, does he drop out of your top five? Does he uh, possibly, was he high in your top five and now he lowers because of this recent string of injuries that have allowed him to not play as much games you know and and when we it's all said and done like you said there's a possibility like if the clippers were to somehow turn around and maybe win a championship and he retires where do you see Kawhi's final legacy so when you say top five are you talking about like position well that that's up to you where where would you where Um, would you have him he has a very very unique a very unique resume so it honestly will get the pen if he could win again. He would be one of the greats, um, but it would always be one of those things like, what could have been? St-? Like, it's weird because, you know, with Grant Hill and Brandon Roy, yeah. like, we have those, mm-hmm. what could have been, what if? Um, we almost had that with Kawhi and kind of don't at the same time. Like, we yeah. know what he can do, but then there's so much still there that that leaves for desire, right? So I'll put it like this. It's somehow they won a championship. Right, and things are still like the way it is now. It might even sound crazy, but at least for me, like Kawhi, let's say he just had an amazing run, like man, he's he's for sure one of the greatest Clippers ever. But overall, like legacy wise, I would have Paul George higher. Okay. If that makes sense. Okay. Okay. That's just me because at the end of the day, I'm like Paul George led us to the Western Conference Finals. Paul George pretty much played way more games and, and had to be that guy that, that held it down, right? Because Kawhi pretty much every year has been hurt for the most part, right? Um, So I think I would have Paul George slightly above Kawhi as far as legacy because I would know, like, dang, like, okay, there's been moments where Kawhi, you know, even last year before he got hurt, Kawhi was in conversations for MVP talk, you know? So, um. So for me, yeah, I think I would have Paul George higher. That's just my now I don't know what the mass is. Like I don't know how you guys would view it. 
if that was the case, but that's how I would view it. And like I said, it, it would kind of really depend on how his, his career played out. If it's still the same, it's going to definitely leave a lot to be desired where you can't. I, I, he would probably be top five small forward, but I would have to really sit down and think. And for sure, as these young players come up, he for sure would be the first small forward to get replaced. So, Bart, what are your thoughts on Kawhi, his injury history, and also where, how does that influence your perspective of his legacy? So I can't get into Kawhi's injury history because it's very extensive and I wouldn't know where to begin. But it, it Kawhi not being available for his team, whatever the team is, um, outside of maybe San Antonio in his early career, it, it heavily affects um, how they play, what they do, and ultimately the outcome of games. As far as his legacy, it's it's... I can't, I, I have to sit down and think about where I have Kawhi now and where he can possibly end up. But I can tell you, he's definitely among the greats just because of what he's accomplished, um, what he's um, what he's been able to put on his resume in a short amount of time. But I can't put him among the greatest because of um, just a lack of consistency you definitely, in my opinion, need, uh, I think, the best ability or one of the best abilities is availability. So longevity does count for something. And because of him having a slow start to his career with San Antonio and being injured so much, even his career numbers don't don't look, they don't jump off the paper. You're looking at 19 points a game, uh, three assists, like six rebounds, and two steals and a half a block. So you're not, it's not anything that jumps out of the paper and the paper never tells the full story, but it definitely um, holds weight at the end of your career when you're, when you're, you know, judging a player. And of course the first thing people are going to look at is his successful playoff runs or the things he were, the things he was able to accomplish, um, mm -hmm. I guess, primarily with, Toronto with that finals run, the uh the was it two finals runs of San Antonio where they won yeah, they won one. The yep, mm -hmm. they they won one and lost one and he got the finals MVP. So he has two finals MVPs on his uh on his yeah. resume. So he definitely has certain things to talk about. And to Sean's credit, I do have him above uh some of those what if stories like uh Grant Hill or Brandon Roy or whatever, like guys that we definitely know were talented, but didn't get to prove it. Kawhi got to prove what he could do. I don't think there's anything that we didn't see at this point. We just want to see more. It's, you know, it's never, it's never a good thing to have a career. And so short, and you got to remember up until he was 23 years of age, he averaged under 15 a game. So his breakout season was when he was 23 and then when he was 24 he averaged 21 a game so and he's only he's only I want to say 31 now so he has he has time if he doesn't you know we don't know his plans he's not a talkative guy but but if basketball is still his passion and 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 he sees it in his future he has time to add a few more things to uh you know just to his I don't want to say resume cuz the only thing he you know he can do is 
I guess, add a regular season MVP or win again. But in my opinion, what's important for him is just being consistent and being available and just adding those stats to his sheets and and adding wins to the win column for his team. Um, and if he can do that, he'll definitely move up notches and notches on on where I have him. So, so, so yeah. I, have a, I have a question for both of y'all actually. So this, um, you can do either one. So if they if the Clippers did have to happen to win the championship at some point, or even if they didn't, right? Um. And but let's say they have some really great runs, things like that. Who would you view as more of the? I guess who whose legacy would look better for the Clippers, as far as the Clippers, not as their actual, you know, and they both have impressive careers, but not just um um their career overall overall, but with the Clippers. So who would you would you guys look at Kawhi as being the guy, or because remember I said Paul George, so I'm just curious, like how would you guys? It's even to me in the sense of it's not like Kawhi accomplished a title with the Clippers, whereas Paul George did it. They're yeah. both they're both on the same playing field, so it's a matter of, all right, what have you shown me? And Paul George has at least given me more games. So I would yeah. have to say, just strictly looking at the Clippers, Paul George over Kawhi. Um, however, before I give Jabari a chance to answer that question, I did want to share my own thoughts in terms of Kawhi's legacy. Because every time I think of Kawhi, I've always fell in love with, I've always been in love with Kawhi since his San Antonio days because of just his defensive prowess. That man was a defensive beast. You guys remember that Nike commercial about who, who could, could Kawhi beat Kawhi? You know, could, <laughs> you remember that? Like, I, I love that commercial because it actually brought up a good debate. Could Kawhi beat Kawhi? You know, his, his defensive prowess was there. And at the time, his offensive efficiency like Jabari mentioned, by 23 season, you saw that jump up about a seven point, a six point jump in his uh, uh, points per game average. His offensive prowess started to really come around. He was very efficient scorer. He knew how to pick and choose his spots, and he was super dangerous. And when that commercial was going, I was like, you know what? I'm going to still say defensively, Kawhi got it. Kawhi got it. But now, and I like what you said too, Sean, is that it's 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 incomplete. And you're right, uh, Bari, too. What makes Kawhi so unique is that, like, it's a flash in a pan. You know, it's like a lightning in a bottle. You can't really hold on to it. You can't really capture it more than once. Because when he has been able to play and been able to compete consistently, He's given us memorable moments, and he's gotten two final MVPs out of it, as well as two rings with two different teams, especially the Toronto run. I feel personally like if that Toronto run doesn't happen, maybe we don't have this conversation about Kawhi's legacy, you know, because we we have to admit that while he was on load management in Toronto, that team does not get over the hump of of finally winning a title without Kawhi. Now I know some people will be like, well, LeBron left the East. That that is I can't I can't deny that played a huge factor because how often was it that Toronto ran into the brick wall of of LeBron James? It was damn near every time. DeMar DeRozan could never overcome that. But something has to be said that you replace DeMar DeRozan with Kawhi Leonard a Kawhi Leonard that doesn't play a full schedule, but when it comes to playoffs, he is able, what, he almost averaged, what, 30 points 
during um each series during the playoffs, playing as many minutes as he did, and they were able to win it. Yes, we can say like, oh, that shot against the 76ers was very lucky. That luck is a part of the game sometimes. Luck is a part of the game. But if that Toronto run doesn't happen, I don't think we really have a conversation of Kawhi's legacy. So for me, Kawhi's legacy, I still have him as one of the greats because of what he was able to accomplish, even if it was for a short time. Yes, we have that wanting of like, yo, if you were able to give us 10 to 15 years, what would that have looked like? You know, how many titles would you have then won? Would you have won a, a few more? Would you have won a few more MVPs? Would you have finally hit maybe like where people can say you are top five, top 10 all time? Tough to tough to really do that. But for me, personally, for me, I'm putting Kawhi as, as one of the greats. I'm putting Kawhi as a player like, yo, I'm always going to have him in my top list because of what we were able to see. And from that, I can extrapolate that I feel confident that we probably see some similar stuff if he's healthy. Because like you guys said, you have players like Grant Hill. You have players like Brandon Roy. You have players like T-Mac. At least he was able to win it. And not just like, oh, he was on the coattails of other of other great players because, you know, In San Antonio, he did have the San Antonio Big Three of Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. But he was still a major contributor, especially defensively. So because of that, I'm like, you know what? I can't can't diminish his legacy due to injury. He's shown us what he can do as the guy. As the guy. There's never been any doubt that he is that, he's, he's a killer. That he's that dude. So that's my opinion on his legacy and, and whatnot. And then, Bari, give you a chance to answer. Well, to answer Sean's question about who, I guess, in this time, in their time with the L.A. Clippers, who I value more, it'd have to be Paul George. And it's a, it's it's I guess it's an easy question for me. Um, when they do play together, Kawhi is clearly the alpha on on both ends. but that's not that apparent on, on the stat sheet. It, it's just a few points as far as scoring is considered, but they pretty much, across the across the stat sheet, they average a lot of similar numbers. But, but in the four years that they've been Clippers, Kawhi has, what, 57 games played, 52. Then he didn't play because of the ACL injury that third year. And this year he has two games played. Whereas in that same four-year span, Paul George has 48, 54, 31, and then 12, all 12 this year. So while Paul George isn't a model of um, health and he isn't always available, he he also has overcome um, what a lot of people consider career-ending injuries for mm-hmm. for athletes mm-hmm. and, and has still produced at at the highest level in the sport. So I'd have to go with Paul George as who I value more um, as a clipper. Um, if if Kawhi didn't get injured, it'd definitely be a tougher a tougher debate there. Ladies and gentlemen, for all those listening, we would also like to know your thoughts. We would like to we would like to know your opinions on how you view Kawhi's legacy, um, given his injury history, given what he's accomplished, and you know, for for a little fun. Who would you value more on the Clippers, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard? Feel free to let us know your thoughts. Uh, as we 
continue on and we begin to uh, head toward the conclusion of this of this fun episode. I want to ask each of you, who is your standout or underwhelming player so far this season who's in a new situation? Uh, well, I, I'll, I'll say who it is. It's Patrick Beverly, right? Mm. Um, someone that, you know, people know I, I definitely always root for. I, I think he is, you know, underrated in a sense with what he brings. Everywhere he's been, he helps always improve the team, right? He's literally, you're never going to see what he does on the stats. I mean, you'll see a little bit here and there, but he's he's a culture changer. Um, he went to Minnesota, and I mean, look at Minnesota now. They look terrible, but he... Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of reasons for that. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of reasons, yeah. Um, but, you know, so I say him because of the fact that he did a lot of talking. Right. Remember what he said. Oh, you know, all they need is me. Right. Um, if we, you know, if they just put me on the floor with the same roster, you know, we're going to the Western Conference Finals. That's what he said. Right. At the least. And he has regressed badly. Like the, the those jokes that people would say, oh, he's running around and doing nothing. Um, he's actually now doing that. <laughs> right. So if people want to kind of clown on that. That's that's understandable. So he's always been a decent three point shooter, um, a D and three guy, emotional leader, things like that. But right now, he's literally shooting twenty six percent from three, and twenty eight percent from the field. Twenty eight percent. Sheesh. <laughs> With three, he's averaging three fouls a game. Okay, that's just terrible. Like. There's, and again, he's a role player. I know it's not as sexy to say, but I say this because he's starting for the Los Angeles Lakers. He was saying, hey, you get me, no, I'm going to be to have people come back. And again, his stats wasn't nothing crazy last year either, even with the Clippers. But you could watch, you could watch um, what, you could watch the games and see his impact. He has zero impact. He is literally food out there defensively. Like, he's absolutely food right now. So, last year, again, it's nothing amazing, but last year he averaged uh, nine points. This year he's averaging 4.9, literally the lowest of his career. And he's doing it with more minutes. He's averaging 28 minutes. Last year he had 25 minutes. The year before that, 22 minutes. And he still was averaging more points, right? And so... I say that because, and oh, not to mention, he was actually shooting way better from the field as well. So I say that because right now he's just absolutely just terrible. Like, absolutely terrible. Because, um, but last year he was shooting like 35% from three. The year before that, 39% from three. So again, like, he's a pretty good three-point shooter. Like, he's someone you can't leave open. Now you can literally leave open at any time. So he's just been absolutely hot garbage, I'm gonna be honest. Um, so that is disappointing, not for me, because at the end of the day, I also know he went to the Lakers because he was hurt, emotionally hurt. He can act like he's not, but that's the reason why he wanted to cry on the table and do all that extra stuff because he's still hurt because he wanted to be a Clipper. And I'll always have love for him for what he did with the Clippers, but now he is dog food out there and that's what it is. And (laughs) it sucks, but that's just what he is. He's absolutely hot garbage. And that's, that's who I need to, uh, say who's been underperforming. Corey, who do you have for underperforming or your standout so far in their new situation? My guy is a standout player. 
And we were speaking about the bubble. Don't worry, I'm not going to get back into the bubble now. But <laughs> the last time this guy played for a team that was playing for something was in the bubble. And the guy I'm talking about is Jeremy Grant. Um, formerly played for the Denver Nuggets in the bubble. Shortly after, he uh, left the Nuggets for a bag. Can't blame him. Got the bag from the Pistons and went and just disappeared into oblivion. Um, he got his stats, got injured, but now he's on the Portland Trailblazers. And he's starting, and just in the last two weeks, he's been getting – I mean, as the season's been progressing, he's been getting better and better as he finds his rhythm and his groove with the new team. But he's also been getting a lot of opportunities because, as we know, Dame um, hasn't been the healthiest player. He's been in and out of the lineup. So depending on if he's playing or not, your shots are just infinite. And Nurkic also has been in and out of the lineup. And the rest of the Portland guys are, you got a lot of young guys on that team. So Grant also has the, not only does he have the opportunity for more shots, he has the opportunity to step up and just try to be a leader and a, and a vet at this stage in his career. And in the last two weeks, it's definitely been working. He's averaging 25 points a game, five rebounds, three assists. Um, he's shooting 520 from the field, uh, 820 from free throw, 50 from the free throw line. And in the last, in the last week, even better numbers, 29 a game, six rebounds, two assists. As we record this podcast, he's coming off of, his uh, season high against the Mavericks, though it was a loss. 37 points, six rebounds, two assists, two blocks, just filling up the stat sheet, playing defense, um, getting steals, getting blocks uh, when he has been playing. He had a win against the Pelicans the game before that, and he went off for 27 points, eight rebounds, four assists, four steals, and a block. Only two turnovers in both, both contests. So Jeremy Grant's definitely been my standout player of, the year so far or my selection at least um he's he's stood up to the to the test and he's helped his team get some vital wins um even uh three games ago he played against Miami where they uh the Blazers only won by three points um and Grant had 23 points six rebounds two assists a block and three turnovers shooting efficient 62 percent from three 60 from the field He's just been he's just been a good player um this year and I love seeing these players show up for Coach Chauncey Billups. And so my standout player so far in this young season has to go to the man drafted seven overall back in the twenty seventeen draft class, the same draft class that saw the Celtics draft Jason Tatum. You know, by the way, I just wanted to include that right there. But anyway, bringing it back, bringing it back, bringing it back. Laurie Marketing. And I have to give him his kudos because we're going to get into it a bit more, but the Jazz are the best team in the Western Conference. And it's not really up for debate at the moment. The Utah Jazz are also averaging uh, 118 points per game, being the second most potent, the second highest scoring team in the league. They are potent. And with Laurie Marketing, it's very clear that he's a number one know maybe one a one b type option with jordan clarkson because uh he's averaging 22 points per game i understand we only have a small sample size at the moment the jazz have only played 14 games so numbers the averages can change 
can definitely change as we get through the season. But Lori Markkinen is hitting career highs, not only in, in several categories. And points, he's never averaged more than uh, 18 points in the game. And that was the last time he averaged 18 was actually in his second year in the league with the Chicago Bulls. He's currently averaging 22.3 points per game. His first, at the moment, 20-plus point per game season, right? He's also averaging uh, about 15.6 field goals per game, which is a career high, just slightly above, once again, his sophomore season, which was 15.3. He's averaging significantly better from the field in terms of his efficiency. He's shooting 53% from the field right now. He hasn't done better than 48%, which was two years ago. His final year was Chicago. He's also hitting, um, let me just be sure, he's averaging his second most rebounds, which is 8.5. He averaged nine his second year. So basically all I say, I say that to say this. Laurie Markkinen has found his 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 home again. He's found what fits him. He's popping off. He's hitting all his he's hitting his shots well. He's looking good. He's playing solid defense. He's putting in effort. I'll say that. He's putting in effort defensively. He's putting in effort on the boards. He's getting to his shot and he's scoring. He's not afraid to put up his shots because we all know when he was in Chicago, there was questions about, you know, just uh, about his uh, viability for, for the team. Mind you, the Bulls themselves were, had some question marks. You know, you have a guy like Zach Levine. Um, you then bring in a talent like DeMar DeRozan. What happens with Laurie Martin? And, you know, here's a fun fact that I actually want to share that I, I think really tells you just how better Laurie Markkinen has been in comparison to recent years. Gentlemen, do you know that in prior to this season, in 14 games so far, he has more double-doubles than he did in the last two years when he played 112 games. He has five, five double-doubles right now. He had five in 112 games the last two years. That tells you all you need to know about how he's playing. And honestly, the confidence, the confidence he has in himself right now. And as a result, that really gets us going into this conversation about the Jazz. Listen, Are the Jazz for real? It's, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> how many games did you say they played so far? Has it been 14? It's been 14. So, I'm, again, I know these numbers that I've thrown out are like, okay, but you have a small sample size compared to him playing 68, 52, 50, 51, 61 games. I understand that. But when you already look at some of the numbers that he's been putting up, it's hard to think you would have to have a serious regression to bring his average down. So, so to answer your question, if the Jazz make an attempt, not saying they haven't so far, but if they make an attempt to continue to be a cohesive unit and play the play the way that they've been playing, just looking at the climate of the Western Conference, it was it's still hard to say that they're legit. Um, I can't put them above the the very top guys in the Western Conference, but but they're definitely. I guess to answer your question, they're definitely legit. They're definitely legit. Like you just spoke about Laurie. You spoke about Clarkson. Um, they still have Conley. 
I don't know what Danny Ainge's plan is over there, but they're winning games. I forget the name of their head coach. I know it's a former um, Celtics assistant. It was their lead assistant. Uh, Will Hardy, I think. Will Hardy, yeah. yep. Will Hardy. I know it was he was their former leader. former uh he was he's come from Greg Popovich coaching tree. <laughs> and it and it and it definitely shows if that's the case. But yeah, to 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 get direct with your question, I think the Utah Jazz are legit. Um if they turn out to not be legit, I guess I'll just have to take that. But just from what I've seen so far, they're competitive in pretty much every game, even the games they've lost, they've been competitive. Um, you highlighted Laurie and, and just to, just to show his dominance, I played, I play fantasy basketball. I'm in a, uh, I play categories in a 10 category league, which pretty much accounts for 10 major statistical categories. And of all players, he's ranked number 10. Um, and I'm thinking it's what, like 300 something active players in fantasy. He's ranked number 10 in, in a, in a categories league. Uh, he's been getting blocks. Just the last five games, he's recorded a block in each to the last game. Um, consistently scoring over 20 this season um, with ease. And he's shooting efficient. Um, for the most part, he's shooting efficient, though he has the green light. He's still mainly shooting over 50% each game. You, you, you'll you be – it's rare to see him shooting below that um, from the field. His three-point shot comes and goes. But it's never too bad. It's never like you're looking at a Laker player or anything like that. It's it's natural. It, it comes and goes, depending on you know obviously the uh, opposing defense, how keyed keyed in they are to him. And yeah, just going back to the Utah Jazz, the Utah Jazz, they just they just look great. And um, looking at their former stars, it's funny, but it just it looks bad on Rudy Gobert. Oh, and really bad. <laughs> and, really bad. and it's like a it, it doesn't really have a negative effect on Donovan on Donovan Mitchell. Fortunately, so given the success of Cleveland at the moment, yeah, right. Donovan is scot free, but Rudy, Woo! <laughs> right? Woo! And, and and when you look at the situations, I guess to be fair, Donovan did go into a situation that that looked like it it had more promise. But Rudy didn't go into the worst situation either. And also he was expected to make it better and he's joining multiple first round picks. So so he doesn't get the excuse. But to get back to Utah, um, I've never been a fan of the organization, the court, the place. But uh but I have to give credit where credit's due. They're they're definitely a, um they've definitely been a great organization this year. Will Hardy's been doing his thing. Danny Ainge, the trades he's made, the the picks he's acquired, and and having the team that he has on the floor, you would think that pretty much they're supposed to be waving the white flag, but they're winning games and 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 own so many picks. It's I think they they're doing what SGA over in OKC wants OKC to do: compete while having all these picks. But, but again, that's that's another that's another story though. I'll let Sean. I like how you threw that in there, right there. I like how you <laughs> threw Shy into this right now. I like it. Laurie, Sean, Laurie, let us know. What's your thing? Man, I have a few on Utah right now. They're the number one team in the West, right? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Oh, they're that that far ahead. Jeez. Okay. Do I think it's sustainable? 
Yes. Do I think they'll be the number one seed? No. Um, they remind me a lot of the 2018-2019 Clippers, um, where we traded Blake, we traded DeAndre. Um, or did wait? Did we have DeAndre? No, I don't think we did. Um, but we we had Shea. Speaking of Shea, um, we had him. We had Patrick Beverly. Um, it was just a bunch of role players, right? And everyone thought that the team was going to stink. They wasn't going to be good. And I think at one point they were even like a top four seed. They ended up being the eighth seed and lost to the Warriors or whatever, um, like in six games or something. But they remind me a lot of them, uh, or a lot of those, those Clippers, uh, that Clipper team. Um, but Utah's bread and butter, you guys kind of mentioned it some, is actually the three ball, right? Um, they're third, they're third in makes and they're fourth in attempts, right? So that's what they they that's what they do. But the way that they get it is great. Is is it's a great flow to their offense. Um, so it's funny that Will Hardy, you you definitely could see like what Jabari said. You could tell that they came that he came from Popovich because um, he it reminds me of the old the old Spurs system where it was basically shoot or kick. Was it like shoot, kick, or drive within two seconds? Um, and again, that just that just really just shows though that that because and the thing is too, all these players for the most part are pretty good shooters. So the ball movement is crazy and, and the screens and the rolls. So a lot of times what they'll do is like, so, <clears throat> excuse me, they'll do um, a high pick and roll with the screen, but the roller will always, like if you notice when you're watching, the big will always roll to the basket and wait until everyone starts to collapse. And then they'll always kick it out to someone wide open, like 90% mm -hmm. of the time. Or if that person's not open, they'll do the hockey assist. And every single time, like it, when you really watch them, they're getting, that's why they're able to make the shots they're making because you're giving professional NBA players like open shots. Like a lot of their shots are open because there is, you can't really pinpoint anyone because you have to play that way, right? You have to play that way when you have a bunch of role players in the sense. Same thing, like I said, with the Clippers back then. So um, they're actually two, they're number six in assists compared to last year, they was ranked 27. Now, some of that can fall on Mitchell, um, but. I say one, obviously we know him and Gobert probably wasn't closest. He didn't feel comfortable giving him to Gobert because we know he has no offensive bag. Um, on top of that, <laughs> on top of that, you know, I mean, when you have a superstar, you're going to lean on them heavily. That's just what it is. Now to Donovan Mitchell's credit, he's definitely been showing he's a playmaker um, in Cleveland. But, yeah, man, I, I just think that, you know, Utah's doing some great things. On top of that, so I mentioned offensively, but they're actually ranked in the top 10 defensively as well. And it's strictly because they're binding in that same system where everyone is swarming, everyone is communicating. I mean, heck, what, Jordan Clarkson had a block on Zion, right? Like, Zion went for a dunk and literally blocked him. Like, who would actually think to do that? So it's just different things like that. The fact that that Jordan Clarkson, who we know is not a defensive um, – defense is not something he likes to do but he's bought in and that just shows that everyone has bought into what the coach is selling on a defensive end because everyone is swarming, everyone's communicating um, on there because as we know, defense a lot of times is effort. And that's one thing you will get from role players is effort, especially when they don't have a star to lean on. So I just think, man, Utah, you know, I, I'll say this. I'm, and I could be wrong. Maybe they'll get together. As, as long as the team is both teams stay how they are, Utah and the Timberwolves, the Utah ironically will have a better record.
right? Unless, like, Danny Ainge, but I know Abe said this before, like, Ainge, he's not, he doesn't really tank. He doesn't believe in tanking. So, based off of that, I think they're still going to stay competitive. Um, the Timberwolves are just a mess, so they got to figure out something. But, yeah, it it will, I, I'll, again, I'll be on record. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I will, I will own up to that. But they all, they both stay the same. Utah will have a better record. And I'm confident yeah. saying that. <laughs> like, yeah. like, nah, very no, without a doubt. Even though, even though the Timberwolves have better talent, like the way, like Utah is a very smart team. Like, if you look at their schedule and look at the teams they've played and beaten, like, you're like, oh, shoot, yes. They're really like, they're, no, they're they're a real respectable team. So I, I think they're going to be, you know, in the playoffs this year. Um, I don't think they're going to make any noise, but I do think they're they're going to be in the in the playoffs. And, and kudos to them because I'm not big on Utah either. But, you know, the, those players, they they have families. They have names. They're, they're trying to play for their next contract or play for a the next team. They're trying to showcase. And so all those players are doing a great job, man, and they're all just honestly being comfortable with their roles and, and, and Will Hardy is setting them up to be in great positions to showcase their talent. Honestly, honestly and truly, because especially, so fun fact, the Jazz are one of four teams to be undefeated at home. That includes the Denver Nuggets, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, which, when we get to our game of the week, fuck, dude, that's literally one of those, one of those records is not going to hold true no more. But, uh, that being said, I, I agree with you, Sean. Like, you know, like I've said, I've had Danny Ainge as uh, the man in charge for my Boston Celtics. And throughout his time with the Celtics, especially the last, what, 10 years, he doesn't really do rebuilds. He may do a soft reboot. And when I say soft reboot, I go back to the uh, season where we traded for Isaiah Thomas. That one, the season wasn't looking too good. It was looking like we'd be a lottery team. Trade for Isaiah Thomas, boom, next thing you know, we're in the playoffs, you know? Um, what Ainge has managed to put together roster-wise there and what Will Hardy has managed to do as a coach, mind you, being the youngest active coach at the moment at age 34, is is nothing short but remarkable. Because, again, you get rid of two players who were the face of the franchise, who were easily all were all-stars, defensive player of the year caliber, and Rudy Gobert. Now we can debate the legitimacy of his defensive player of the year accolades given his style of play, given how uh, much nobody fears him. Regardless, he still has those accolades, right? Um, I don't think that the Jazz stayed the number one seed throughout the season because that that would just be some otherworldly, otherworldly stuff given the talent of other teams that are right there on the cusp, like the Grizzlies, uh, you like the Nuggets. But I do believe, I strongly believe by the time we get to the season's end, the Jazz stay in that top four seed in the West. I do believe they stay in the top four seed in the West. Um, so as we begin to wrap up, you know, this is one of my fun parts because I like to give our games of the week. Uh, it gives us something to, to keep an eye on, and especially when we get back to recap and whatnot. So I'm going to start it off, and then Jabari, you let us know, and Sean, you close us out with your uh, game of the week. For me, look, I, 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 can't, I can't not say that this is my game of the week, and that's going to be Wednesday night. My Boston Celtics will be in town. We 
because I live. Could in you be any more predictable? Oh my god! Uh, look, look! I was staring I at that game as we talked. How could I not pick this game? Oh it's my Boston Celtics versus the Atlanta Hawks. The Boston no. Celtics. You know how we mentioned how the Utah Jazz are second in the league in points per game. Well, the number one uh, highest scoring team is my Boston Celtics. We are going to be in Atlanta, and we're going to play the Hawks, which is a, I believe is it's important just because of the success of the Hawks right now. Um, and the the Celtics still need to figure some things out. Jason Tatum is having a fucking blast. You know, he recently just dropped 43. Our defense isn't the best. It, we're we're average. I said we have our moments. We have our moments. Don't get me wrong. The Celtics have their moments defensively, but offensively, we've been offense. We've been juggernauts, which I appreciate. And so, you know, while I celebrate uh, the wifey's birthday, I'm gonna be on my phone looking at the score. You know, probably looking at highlights and watching the game. Um, I, I'm gonna still pay attention to wifey, but uh, my game of the week gotta be the Celtics versus the Hawks. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I gotta choose it. I can't resist it. I got to go with it. I mean, you don't have sorry. to go with it. I, I, have to, I have to. I have to. I have to. I have to. No, you, you like. You know, I, I have Tatum, to. Though. Tatum's been playing like a top five player, yeah. but yeah. the problem is I can't give the man props because every damn podcast you gotta talk about these. You know what? Look, I mean, look, look. Here's the thing: where there's not Celtics connections throughout this episode already. Like, I, I, I gotta bring things. From I don't. Here. I don't remember. Yeah, Will Hardy. Uh, Will Hardy. Spurs. <laughs> with the Spurs. I didn't say nothing. About no, 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 no. You mentioned it. It was mentioned the Celtics. No, nah, who mentioned the Celtics? That? Who? I don't know. It was. Yeah, I don't know. Hardy. It mentioned the Celtics, nah, and then I said mean. that he came from. It was actually Barry who's who mentioned the Celtics. Yeah, it was it was me. It, yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. It was you who mentioned Ainge and what he did in, in Boston. Thank you. Did you not? Yes. Move thank along. you. So Move along. <laughs> I had to. But <laughs> Barry, what is your game of the week? So my game of the week is actually taking place on the same night, though I believe your game is a TNT game, right? Yes, yes. My game is just a regular league pass game. It's not as uh, interesting as far as the names go, but it's two teams that are below 500, and that's the Minnesota Timberwolves coming into Orlando to play the Orlando Magic. Now, as things stand, the Timberwolves are only like one game better than the Magic, but the Magic have way more injuries. Uh, Paolo's day-to-day, we're hoping he plays. But other than that, they've been playing with Cole Anthony, Gary Harris, Jonathan Isaacs, of course, as usual, um, Markel Fultz, and um, Wagner. I don't know which Wagner. I think the younger one. But Orlando's had way more injuries, and though they haven't been great, they've been way better than, uh, you know, with all things considered, than, than what the Timberwolves have been doing, especially with the way the Timberwolves roster has been looking. Um, they still have uh, Edwards, Cat, as we were discussing earlier in the episode, Gobert. The only person that they have out right now for them is Nazir um, Reed with an illness. So you can expect, um, though they're away, you can expect most folks to have the Timberwolves winning. But if Paolo plays, I, I, I think it's competitive. Um, before I, I move on to uh, Sean's pick, just to highlight a magic player that isn't Paolo, Paolo, 
Bobo's been having a, a great season so far. He's been he's got the start and nod. Um for the season, he's pretty much averaging eleven and eight. His his three point balls look good. It's been going in and he's averaging pretty much two blocks, two blocks a game. So he's been he's been trying and it's a it's a far reach from when I believe last season they were starting uh, what's the other tall guy's name? They have another one, but they were starting another guy at center and WCJ, who they got from the Bulls, they were starting him at the four with him. So it's good to see Bobo get an opportunity. And um, Paolo has been a stud when he has been playing. If you guys remember, he was Abe's early pick this year, but he's been a stud um, and he's been scoring out of his mind. So I just want to see if Orlando can make life a little bit more miserable for Minnesota. And what's your pick, Sean? Um. I mean, mine's is pretty simple. It's just the it's the Euro, uh, uh, um, what's it called a game? I guess you would say it's like Jokic versus uh, uh, Luca. Um, they they play Friday. Um, they actually play in Dallas. Nuggets play in Dallas. Um, so I'm curious to see they're they're both basically. I mean, it's still early, but they're both kind of fighting for that spot right now. Um, Mavericks is six. Nuggets is five. They're literally like a game apart, but the Mavericks are six and one at home, so they're pretty good. And Denver's actually about five hundred on the road. Um, so I'm curious to see, you know, if the Nuggets can actually start changing that and be able to win some games on the road. And I want to see if they actually have an answer for um what's it called. I mean, no one really has an answer for Luca, of course. But I just want to see how they're gonna guard him. Like I'm curious. Uh, what Malone's going to cook up for that, um, how they're going to try to slow him down. Because honestly, as we know, Luka is the engine, right? That's why a lot of people have him as the MVP. Um, so I'm just curious about that. But I figured that'd be a fun, high-scoring game. And for me, I just love watching Jokic, honestly, just because, I don't, man, the passes he be doing, like, I don't know, bro. Like, for me, he's he's for sure probably a top three, top five passer in the game. Um, his vision is ridiculous. I know LeBron gets a lot of love. I know um, who else? Uh, Chris Paul gets a lot of love, but Jokic to me is man, he's just amazing. So, but that that's my game. That's on Friday. Um, it's not on the surprisingly, it's not on a prime time game, um, or one of those prime time networks, I should say. But it's Friday. Well, seven thirty for me. I guess if you're a Pacific time, five thirty. Um, if you're on the East Coast, that'll be eight thirty. But yeah. It's funny you you picked that game because when I was looking at my games to pick this week, the two other games that I considered were the Celtics against the Hawks and and your game that you just mentioned. Yeah, um, yeah. I would never pick Boston, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't. It's not too too many exciting games this week, but those were the games I considered. But before we go. I just want to say, since we were talking about, um, since Abe always plugs his team, and we were talking about the Nets earlier, uh, I probably won't have an opportunity to say this, but I appreciate Edmund Summer, uh, Sumner, sorry, for stepping up. Uh, he's been starting lately at the point guard position while Kyrie's out and while Ben Simmons has been inept. And and he, you know, he's not a highly touted player. He came out of Xavier in 2017 played a couple years for the Pacers and he stepped up for us when we've needed him this year. So shout out to Sumner. And as we record, the Nets are getting ready to head to shoot around. 
before we play the two and ten Lakers. Uh, the Nets currently sit at six and seven. So if we beat the Lakers tonight, we move to five hundred, and we also send the Lakers to two and eleven if we win this. So yeah, you gonna hear from me next week. <clears throat> I will say this too, and I actually this was an honorable mention because of course, you know, we, I, maybe I could have left the Celtics alone, but I I haven't chosen the Celtics as game of the week yet. So we're in week four. I might as well, right? My honorable mention actually was the same day, and this is not a primetime game, surprisingly, is actually the Bucks versus the Cavaliers. Um, at the moment, the Cavaliers are playing Sunday, but they are on a three-game losing streak. Wednesday, they do face the Bucks, And I'm actually curious, and I will have my eye on that game, because I want to see how do the Cavs match up against you know the juggernaut that have been the Bucks at previously. The last time we recorded, the Bucks were undefeated. They suffered two losses. But still, these are two of the top three uh, teams in the East. Uh, that well, one is honorable mention. Well, since since we won't be reviewing that next week, I'll quickly say Giannis hasn't played the last two games. He's probable for Monday. So I'm assuming by the time they play the Cavs, he'll play. But Drew Holiday has been ruled out for Monday also. And he hasn't played the last uh, same two games. So I don't know if we'll see Drew Holiday against the Cavs, but we'll probably see Giannis. But... It's definitely we're not going to be seeing a complete Bucks team. But yeah. like you said, they've been a great team, regardless of who's been gonna, going out there this year. They've been a great team. We saw Javon, Javon Carter go out there and score like 37 of a day. And uh, Brooke Lopez has been consistent. As well. Yeah, he's been consistent all year. So it's, it's, it's things to look out for, for sure. Yeah, honestly. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for another another fun episode of the Four Core Press. Be sure to follow us up. Well, first of all, follow the SSAW Facebook page as well as the SSAW Twitter account. Links in the bio. Um, be sure to follow the uh, great gentleman here, Sean Lowry and uh, Brooklyn Barty on Twitter. Um, send them a friend request on Facebook. Yeah, Full court press Twitter coming soon. Oh, honestly, honestly. And we appreciate all of you guys for listening, tuning in. Look forward to another new episode next week, especially since that's holidays. We'll see y'all. I won't sign off with no Celtics thing. I've talked about the Celtics enough. Don't worry. Don't worry. Email Sean Lauer if you got a problem. Later. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>